So good morning. This is Brian, the producer of the podcast. You don't hear from me very often, but today I'm in front of a mic talking about the upcoming Brewfest fundraiser for Citizen Action. And I've got Robert Craig here in front of me. We're going to talk a little bit about what will happen at the Brewfest. Robert? Glad you asked, Brian. This is one of the most fun progressive events of the year, and we've been doing it for 10 years now. It is a fundraiser around for social justice, for building power around beer and good beer. We have union beer, we have locally sourced beer, and a lot of different progressives, activists, and leaders uh, turn out for it. And we'll have it right after the election on November 19th. So hopefully we'll have some great election victories to celebrate. But if you want to come down and, and have some beers, talk about what we're going to do once we have a piece of governing power, which we're going to have after this election, knock on wood, please come to our Brewfest fundraiser. And Brian, let everyone know when and where it is. Okay, it's Monday, November 19th, 5 to 8 p.m. at the Coakley Brothers 400 South 5th Street building in Walker's Point in Milwaukee, just a few blocks away from the Citizen Action headquarters. And we will be having finger food and there's free parking. And of course, we'll have the ever popular silent auction. Do you want to talk about some of the options at the silent auction? I want people to come and outbid me because I'm going to end up bidding. I shouldn't win all of the silent auction prizes or a good portion of them as the director of the organization. But all I got to say, because we got a bunch of election work to do before we get to the Brewfest fundraiser, is cheers, everyone. And I want to have a nice toast with all of you on November 19th, 5 to 8 p.m. at Brothers Interiors, 400 South 5th Street in Walker's Point. See you there. Welcome to the Battleground Wisconsin. My name is Matt Brusky, and I'm the Deputy Director here at Citizen Action, and welcome to another week from Wisconsin. The full panel is here, which means Rebecca Lynch from the Wisconsin Working Families Party is across for me. Rebecca, good to see you. Good to be here. Hi, Matt. And Robert Craig, Executive Director here at Citizen Action. Robert. Good day, everyone. Ooh, Robert, very somber. I'm not feeling very well. Robert anyway. is, Robert's a bit under the weather. It's understandable. It's that time of year. We've all been working very hard, and we know a lot of our listeners have. Uh, Rebecca, I know you have a pitch uh, for everyone, uh, early voting. Oh, yeah. Yes, Can we start right? with that? Yeah, of course. Why not, right? Let's remind folks. Yeah, so folks um, all over the state can early vote depending on which municipality they live in. And you should you know, check with your city clerk or on your city website about that. Uh, here in Milwaukee, we're going to be doing an event on Sunday, uh, from 11 to 4, we'll have a block party outside the Mitchell Street Library with uh, Representative uh, Jocasta Zamaripa, and we're going to be uh, having some fun, having some food, some music, um, but really hoping folks early vote. So anyone who wants to come down to that, but also if you'd like to canvas the neighborhood Friday, Saturday, Sunday, or help us send some texts and just remind people to early vote, that would be great. And if you are one of those people who always votes but doesn't early vote when you have the opportunity, uh, I just want to make a pitch for early voting. I think even if you have the uh, privilege of being able to vote in person on election day, a lot of people don't. And so it's a real act of equity to vote early because it ensures that this that this process, that this amen well, not amenity, but this right to, to vote when you can is available to people who don't have that same privilege and luxury. So if you can early vote, it's really important. And it's really important this year because the more people who early vote this year, 
the easier it will be for mayors across Wisconsin to make the case for funding and putting forth programs in the presidential to do early vote. So I can't stress strongly enough, please go early vote. Please um, help get out the early vote. It's really important. Yeah, I'm, I want to underscore this. I, I, not only should you go vote early, but you should make a commitment today to figure out how you're going to get the day off if you can't. If you have the privilege to be able to get the day off, to do that and help get out the vote. This is a drop-off election. By that, what I mean is there's no presidential election. It's a midterm, which means there's a lot of voters who just aren't going to show up, possibly. And election day activity, going and knocking, talking, those those, those last-minute reminders are, are absolutely critical. Um, and so I want to encourage that. The other thing is that's really critical is having the polls function at a high level. So volunteer to go work the polls. You actually get paid uh, in Milwaukee. I think it's around 150 bucks uh, for the day. Uh, but please, they're looking, some places are still looking for poll workers, particularly in uh, large cities. I know Milwaukee is. Um, the more people that vote early, the less we have lines, right, on election day. We're, we're clogging up those lines. But also, if you're there working and we have well-staffed polling locations, it helps keep clogs in the lines, which is the one of the greatest way we can lose voters on election day. If you can only show up at lunch and there's a line, uh, you might walk away and never vote. So that's that's our pitch. Yeah. We're spending a bit of time on it today because we think it's important. you got a whole nother week to arrange this. And maybe if I'll just quickly say, I really do want to applaud the mayors who have expanded early vote this year. Um, I personally only know of a few, so I'm sure I'm forgetting folks, but Madison is doing incredible things with early vote. Um, and, you know, so is Milwaukee um, really expanding early vote locations. This weekend's a really big weekend in Milwaukee because the community sites are going to be open for the first time in the weekend. Um, but also, um, I know we've got some Citizen Action Healthcare Co-op members who live out in Racine and Corey Mason, the new mayor of Racine, has dramatically expanded early vote over his predecessor and opened community locations for the first time. So Brian Center, Tyler Domer, Cesar Chavez Center. So, you know, folks out in Racine who are hearing this, you know, please use those sites um, and please do early vote. But um, thank you to the mayors who have been expanding this. So with that, we are going to jump into talking about the election and what's been going on. There's so much happening. Um, one of the defining uh, features is we are having the visit of our President Trump visited on Wednesday. Robert is going to give us a little summary and some highlights of, of that visit and some context. And then, of course, uh, former President Obama is going to be here on Friday. Um, Bernie Sanders was in over the weekend. Um, so we're getting lots of attention. No surprise, Wisconsin is a huge, important race, and the governor's race is close, obviously, and a critical uh, Senate seat and some congressional seats. So, Robert, uh, Trump visit, I know you had the privilege of spending some time listening to it, your thoughts, and then just broader context on uh, uh, the state of play here. Uh, now, what, we're less than two weeks out. Yeah, I don't know if we'll get the whole state of play when <laughs> remaining in this segment, Matt. But um, look, we had a proto-fascist event in Mosinee uh, this week with Donald Trump. And by the way, I dare PolitiFact to PolitiFact me on this. Proto-fascist means it has all the elements of fascism without actually being the, the mass rounding up of people yet. Okay, so you can see all the elements of nationalism, white nationalism, what we saw in fascist movements in the 20s, in the Trump movement. And the right wing, the whole right, not just one guy, the whole right wing infrastructure that has tried to take over this country for 40 years has set up the conditions for this. And they are equally culpable whether the Charlie Sykes of the world want to pretend now to be civil or not. They're all a part of it. And so what was 
amazing about it was is that they had him teleprompted and scripted uh, last night, which apparently only lasted to this morning because then tweet storms began. He that did of not course, like it. And this is the usual act. This is like Ed McMahon. I mean, not Ed McMahon. Excuse me. Very mean to Ed McMahon. Vince McMahon, uh, the, the, the pro wrestling guy, giving a speech about being civil. He doesn't mean it, right? Because every, his ho- And then in the civil version of the civil speech, he attacked caravans. He thinks that, so in other words, othering uh, immigrants who are, who are facing terrible conditions in Central America is part of civil speech. Um, he thinks that by uh, saying that Tammy Baldwin wants to socialize medicine, if he says it softer rather than yelling it, that that's civil. I mean, that's occurred in the speech. Hey, Robert, and before he even got there, it's yeah. worth pointing out that the crowd was chanting, lock her up on the day that, the day after she received bombs, you know, potentially and bombs. And we, we need not to blame just average people, even though it's hard, but the, the white men behind him all dressed up and yelling, lock him up, and, and uh, a lot of them uh, put, you know, decoratively behind him. Remember, uh, proto-fascism also had a big thing for how the scene looked. Proud to be an American as he walks in, all of that. This is all part of this scene. Uh, But then there's attacking the media. And here's the weird thing, and I want to hear people's take on this. I mean, obviously, this is all propaganda, and he's going to be civil, and he's going to be not civil, right? Because othering people and divide and conquer is not civil, and it creates these emotions. And we'll get to the bombing probably in the next segment. I want to get into that deeper. But let me just say that in blaming the media, which media? Because the media that sows hatred is his favorite media, Fox News. So it is pretty hard to understand how somehow his whole political movement is civil, uh, but the New York Times is somehow fomenting uh, hatred and anger uh, that leads to violence, which is the message here, which is a bizarrely counterfactual message, but facts are irrelevant. This is what what people want to feel, people within his movement, and what he and the people pulling the strings, the feeling they want to create because they think this is their best way to hold on to power, period. Robert, and obviously this Trump visit is occurring in this broader environment that's, that we've been sort of all watching over the last month, and that is that it's not good for conservatives. Trump, very unpopular, quote, blue wave, healthcare, huge issue, a lot of issues just breaking really bad for Republicans. And so... Here comes the caravan, right? Almost like it's out of central casting for them in terms of what they would want, right? People traveling, coming to the borders, right? It's on Fox News every day, right? So it's allowing them to transition away from the the environment of what actually is being discussed in the election to this immigration. This caravan, right, it, it plays into this broader imagery and I know, Rebecca, you had mentioned this before, that we're seeing it now from Walker. We saw it from Vukmir. They're all trying to now talk about immigration, talk about the wall. And Robert, what's, imp- what, what's interesting, too, about the Trump rally is all of the Republicans from the state were there. All of the leading Republicans were on stage, fully on board the Trump train, right? Uh, and so, it really, I posed the question, and we could talk more about this, um, do folks think that this could work, right? This whole broader national debate, change it around immigration, get it back to sort of core base issues, um, could potentially blunt the wave that we all feel is happening? Or is this just nothing, right? And we got Obama coming on, on Friday, so 
there's sort of a whole whole another wave to come. Rebecca, your thoughts? Yeah, I want to hear Robert's thoughts, but just quickly, you know, Scott Walker came out with a new ad this week where he was using Tony Evers' words against him in the debate, saying that um, Tony's support for driver's permits for the undocumented or in-state tuition for DACA recipients is, quote, helping illegals using that very loaded word over and over again while saying that he's going to raise our taxes. So Scott Walker seems to think it will work, but I would be interested after the break to hear what Robert thinks. Well, we're going to take a break. We're going to come back. We're going to talk a lot more about what's going on in the election, both nationally and here in the state. You're listening to The Battleground Wisconsin. We're Citizen Action. You can find us at citizenactionwi.org. Welcome back to The Battleground Wisconsin. We're Citizen Action, and we're talking about the election that's going on. Uh, most importantly, we're talking about this broader national environment and and you know we we spoke about what's going on with immigration and sparking that with the caravans um but the the broader thing that happened this week right was the attempted bombings the potential bombings on what appears to be a long list of democratic or progressive uh leaders right including the clintons robert and rebecca i want to get your thoughts because this is a this is a real sort of new spark and we mentioned that trump went from trying to be restrained for 24 hours as much as he can to again today as we record thursday morning just flat out blaming the media and apparently appearing to go back on 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 the march on this stuff this is getting into some very like severely dangerous stuff right so i just want your thoughts because this is sort of breaking in the last 24 hours so we do need to be careful about the bombing there is definitely a history of uh, people, bombers and other kind of serial killers misdirecting by making something look political when it was not. So it isn't it now, usually in life, the simpler solution. The explanation is, is more likely to be true, so I think it's more likely than not that this person is politically motivated, but they might not be, and there are historical examples of that in other bombing cases. Uh, but either way, even if the bomber is not politically motivated, uh, the bomber has determined in that scenario that this is credible, right? And in other words, it, it still plays on the political environment. And here's the thing in this kind of uh, fake news world, and fake news is not what Trump says it is, it's the, Trump, the news Trump likes, right? So the answer is to call the other news fake news, right? Is that it's the right in this country, and this has been true for decades, and Trump has just supercharged it, that is fomenting this kind of hatred. And the idea that the left is fomenting, uh, in general, this kind of homicidal hatred is just a lie, flat out. Uh, the, the, the danger has been from the right. Uh, social analysts have thought that for, for decades, and it's getting worse. A lot of the worst projections from the 70s and 80s are becoming true with the modern direction of the right-wing movement that Trump now leads. And it's not just Trump being an aberration. Too bad we have Trump, and there's this civil, conservative Republican Party underneath him that will be fine. And so when you other people this way, when you make them believe, uh, going back to immigration and what Rebecca was talking about, that hordes of people who aren't really people, right, they're, they're the idea this is racism, right, are heading towards the border to take away our, our way of life, well, of course that's going to lead to these sort of emotions. Whether the bomber felt those emotions or not, the bomber reflected the direction of, of, of the uncivil proto-fascist politics that Trump and the modern right-wing movement have, have wrought and are continuing to rot in this country. You know, I think in some ways this is nothing new. It's like very shocking and um, is, is making a lot of people understandably very upset. But I, I think that violence and 
racism and misogyny um, are very present in our politics and very present in our work. And I think that people um, who have high profiles, whether they lead the Women's March or um, the ACLU or our elected officials or whatever it is, routinely get death threats, um, and some, some that are quite credible. And so that's, that's very disturbing. And then folks who are less famous and less protected um, often get hurt and killed. And so I think you know, that's something we, we see a lot, you know, and, and whether it's folks protesting for social justice or in communities um, doing social justice work or just trying to live their everyday life, whether they're black, women, trans, you know, I think violence is very prevalent um, from the same place that this bomber might be coming from, we, we don't know. And so um, it's pretty disturbing. I think, um, I, I, and at the same time, uh, I don't know, uh, we have no idea what the motivations are, but we should take this very seriously, we should be very upset, but we should also stay very focused. There are 12, uh, today's Thursday, right? There are 12 more days until the election, and so, you know, if we can do everything we can to like channel this into like empowering our communities to show up at the polls and not get down and distracted by the news as much as is possible, um, I think that will be important. And there could be copycats. I think that with all these unexploded bombs, and they may have been designed not to go off, by the way. This may have been, as we don't know, but none of them gone off yet, which is interesting. Robert is full of all kinds of hot takes today. <laughs> but <laughs> there are always copycats in these situations. Hot take number hot three. Hot take number three. I was just about to go and ding, so ding, ding. If you have on the, on the right fomented this level of emotion, then we may have other people who will perpetuate in violence copying the, the, the bomber, this bomber, it looks like one bomber because it's the same kind of bomb from what we know, uh, pipe, uh, same kind of pipe bomb, uh, even if this one is, is doing it through misdirection, not to be found. And we've had previously... Uh, fake racist bombings that weren't really racist, they were something else, or, or that wasn't the main motivation. So that could still be the case. But nonetheless, it's all credible in the environment that Trump and Paul Wa and, and Scott Walker and Lee Vukmir and Paul Ryan have fomented. Remember Vukmir did an ad with a gun on the table yeah. that she's the one who's threatened by the incredibly violent left, which is just a fantasy. Yeah, so the question I want you to follow up on is, do you believe... This is sort of like a balancing act that Trump is, a fascist, proto-fascist balancing act that he's doing here where, right, like, where the wall, the immigrants, right, the, the migrants, that's all stuff that's really, really, really helpful. Then when you have this, you know, the potential bombing totally unhelpful, right, to him and what he's trying to do, question is what he's, and they've been sparking over the last couple of weeks with both the migrants um, and ginning up immigration and now all this, do you, do you believe that that will spark their base, right? They are trying to get their base out, right? Also, we haven't even talked about it, the social issues, Vukmir, they're all running ads now on abortion, all the, you know, all the, the triggers versus, right, what we know has really been the wave is not only some of the base being excited, which I've talked to people, there are concerns here in Wisconsin around that, but women, in particular, who've been nationally, we've had this conversation before. You, do we trust that this environment that they will s stay or vote democratic versus move on immigration? Right. Like I think the immigration stuff is incredibly powerful and hurts us immensely with some of the voters that that Democrats are going after. Right. In a state like Wisconsin. 
not in a state like California or New York, just well, to give you, yeah. Yeah, California right. and New York aren't in play, right? Like, I'm talking right. no, about, like, Wisconsin. Yes, it's a totally different. Like, I'm I'm saying here in Wisconsin, right. very specifically, Julie Henze needs to win a lot of women voters in, in Elm Grove, in Waukesha, right? The immigration stuff, I think, hurts. The bombing shit, right, like, does not help Trump, right? Like, and, and and so I'm asking, like, that there's this weird dynamic going on right here, and we haven't even begun to talk about, you know, how does the base feel motivated by any of this stuff, right? And quite frankly, are are they even being motivated to turn out? So I don't know. Just your thoughts on like the environment. Has anything changed? I, I personally, it all goes back to we need to continue to stay focused on turnout because of the uniqueness of a, a off year election too. I mean, I do think that President Obama um, coming to Wisconsin tomorrow um, will be very helpful. Uh, and I think it'll be helpful with all types of folks. You know, President Obama won the state and is still very popular. Um, I, I don't know about, you know, white suburban women and the immigration issue and whether or not this is enough to sway them. Um, after Kavanaugh and, and everything else, I mean, I guess I would defer to folks like Julie in terms of what they're hearing on the doors. But just like on a, on a human level, which is not the question you're asking, but, you know, <laughs> over 70 years after the creation of the United Nations, how in the hell can we not figure out what to do with a humanitarian crisis no. like 7,000 people? you know, marching 20 miles a day, sleeping on the street, children sleeping on the street under sheaths of plastic, just trying to, like, escape, like, war and poverty. And, like, we don't have anything to do. Like, the not even just the United States, but, like, the global community does not have a way to help these people. It's, like, it's such a failure of our global institutions and that were created in response to the Holocaust and, like, is really, like, depressing and shocking. And, you know, as we talked about last week on the show, um, the climate crisis and climate genocide that's coming our way. And like, this is just like one of many recent examples that just prove how weak and ineffective the international community is and our institutions are in responding to humanitarian crises. And it makes me very nervous. Well, you raise a great point. And this is where we need to make distinction between kind of a centrist democratic position and a more progressive position. Uh, some of the candidates who are being elected as uh, left candidates, right, or, or been nominated, like the, uh, our gubernatorial nominee in Florida, for example, or, uh, or Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, for example. Or Randy Bryce, for example. Right, are, well, I don't know if Randy, you can tell me whether Randy agrees with what I'm about to say. Okay. Um, that is, why aren't we talking about a Marshall Plan for Central America, which would be substantially cheaper than the wall, or all the military militarization we do, the reason the right doesn't want to is because the right holds power by othering and by saying there are these barbarian hordes, we better arm the military and we better ratchet down and we better keep, uh, keep, keep big corporations and, and right-wing billionaires in charge of the country because, oh, look who's coming, look who's coming. There's obviously uh, progressive solutions, but most of the Democratic Party uh, mainline leaders, you won't hear them talking that way about a realistic solution to, my goodness, that things are so bad in Central America that people are willing to, by foot, come through Mexico thinking that their families are probably, kids are going to be taken from them at the border because things are so bad behind them. And then we're going to say it's their fault. They're less than human beings, which is what the right in the country, including Scott Walker, is saying, whether he says it with a dog whistle like Walker or without one like Trump. With that, we're going to take a break. You're listening to the Battleground Wisconsin. 
<laughs> Welcome back to the Battleground Wisconsin. We are talking about the elections. We've been talking a, a lot sort of about the broader dynamic. We're going to try to get a little bit more particular, specific into some of the horse race. Um, we have, uh, look, assuming that there is, this is going to be a good election, Randy Bryce could be in play. Rebecca, what is our latest Randy Bryce reports. Very, very exciting news this week. Um, of course, you know, Senator Bernie Sanders was in Wisconsin. He did a rally in Milwaukee, but he also did one in Kenosha with Randy in the middle of a Monday, and it was just packed. I mean, doors were set to open, I think, at 1.15, and people started lining up before noon, and it was... Re- yeah. And you were worried, right? I was worried. Yeah. <laughs> I was worried. There's a lot of pressure. But, um, yeah, it was a great rally. I mean, Randy was incredible, as always. And Bernie actually broke news at the rally and announced to folks that there was a new poll out that had Randy one point ahead of his opponent, Brian Style. And so I know one point ahead doesn't mean Randy's ahead, means it's, you know, within the margin of error, all the things <laughs> Robert's thinking, I'll say it for him. Um, but then uh, okay. a day or two later... Um, Additional similar exciting news, 538 um, deemed the race now a toss-up and that a Democrat has a 4-9 in nine chance of winning, a Republican a 5-9 in nine chance of winning. But this is a very close race, and I, I think that's so exciting for a whole bunch of reasons. One, yeah, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, and there's something with his uh, blow-dried uh, outsourcing consultant opponent, Brian Stile, <laughs> uh, the former Ryan staffer, uh, where he, because uh, you know, they're all about family values until they're not, mm-hmm. right? Uh, he 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 said he would have zero tolerance for any kind of uh, sexual harassment whatsoever, mm-hmm. in his opinion. So he was asked at an event. Uh, people were asking him, "Well, what about Donald Trump? Are you disassociating yourself with Donald Trump?" Since we've just seen the whole establishment up there, Republican establishment here with Donald Trump. I don't know if Mr. Style was there or not. Actually, I don't. Not, Rebecca shaking her head doesn't think so. She'd know better than I would. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, so. He wouldn't answer and kept just walked away, and, and he's being chased down. It's all on YouTube and walking away. So <laughs> apparently zero tolerance except for Trump. Yeah, I mean, he is just, like, really a fascinating candidate. You know, for folks who don't know Brian Style, he is just a Paul Ryan clone in how he dresses, how he looks. And he's just, like, I think actually Robert might have said this. Someone did. Just, like, ready-made, out-of-the-box Republican yeah. candidate. It really is it's kind of remarkable. Um, but, you know, again, a corporate attorney who has, you know, career made a lot of money helping companies outsource jobs out of Wisconsin and out of the country. Um, yeah, go ahead. And as I said last week... Uh, since they're funding his campaign, you can the people of the first congressional district, even if they have any concern about Brian, remember uh, about Randy Bryce, Brian Stiles going to work for the people who paid for his campaign, not for you. So good luck if you elect him. Totally. And I would just close out my Randy love fest by just saying, you know, this is, and we talked about this last week, so much mud has been thrown at Randy. And, you know, his mother has had to come out against it. Um, his ex-wife has come out against it, saying that he is a good father um, and backing backing him up in terms of, you know, the you know the, they're going after him for, you know, being in debt and at po- points in his life when he was unemployed, not paying child support. And his ex-wife saying, hey, that's what working parents do. We work together through it. He's not a bad dad. They're also going after him for being supportive of Vosa Stella Frontera and immigrant rights. So again, we're back to the caravan and othering. So... He, he's with the enemy, and, and then we're, we're surprised that people have homicidal rage in this country when this is the modus operandi of the whole right wing, not just their, their leader, Mr. Trump. 
And you really see, like, and I said this last week, you know, that Randy's a regular person. You really see the toll that it takes on, on a, you know, Citizen Action Co-op member, union iron mm-hmm. worker, you know, just like regular working class person. And, you know, we, we love Randy at Working Families Party. We actually hosted the rally. And so we, I was kind of like backstage um, with folks. And I was with his mom. And I was like, hey, how are you doing? She said, today's a good day. You know, she seems to be doing well. She had baked cookies for everybody. And she was walking around showing people pictures of Randy dressed as a cowboy when he was five for Halloween. You know, she had found it in a box of photos. And I think, like, you know, these are real folks. And the Republican multi-million dollar spin machine has been going after them relentlessly. And in spite of that, we have a poll this week and we have 538 saying that this Republican seat very much a Republican seat, is all of a sudden a toss-up and in play. And so it's very exciting. So again, folks, um, if you know people who live in the 1st Congressional District, please make sure they get out to vote and ideally vote early. And the money in the attack ads is from right-wing billionaire oligarchs, right, attacking a regular guy. The striking thing about Randy, and people in Southeast Wisconsin know this, I mean, he really is a regular person, right? So this is the kind of person, if our democracy means anything, that ought to represent people in Congress as opposed to Brian Stiles' resume, right, which is the, the modern uh, kind of almost Gilded Age, but worse, kind of Congress. And, yeah, I chatted with Randy a bit uh, a couple weeks ago, and uh, he, you could tell I kind of asked him, is it it's even worse than you thought it would be, right? He goes, I thought it would be really bad, but, <laughs> but he kind of sighed, like, oh, my God. Like, he's still, like, in, in this, like, I can't believe it, it's for his, for his point of view. It's almost like you're outside yourself, I think. Is this really, am I really in the middle of this, right? Is this really happening to me? <laughs> there are these moments where you remember that. The last thing I'll say is um, he had a debate on Friday night um, after, you know, the, sh- the last week's show came out. He had a debate. And the crowd, um, it was almost like a wedding. You had the bride side and the groom side. You had like half the room was there for Brian Style, the other half was there for Randy. And Randy's side of the room when the candidates walked in stood up and sang Solidarity Forever. And it was just like the most moving thing. And Randy was so moved being a union guy and really going through it in this race. And, um, you know, there are those human moments like that throughout the race that you, you remember like, wow, this is a really hard thing that Randy's doing. Anyway, I'll stop ranting about Randy now, but I believe that we will win, and I hope that folks can really help turn out the vote and and, um, support Randy and his effort. Another race that is in play congressionally is uh, Glenn Grothman's seat. This is the sixth congressional seat. Praised by Trump last night in Mosinee. Well, look, Grothman's been getting blown out of the water on health care. Um, and this brings us back full circle to health care, which is still the defining issue in this election. There were a number of reports out this week that actually quantified it as nationally being the number one issue and Wisconsin being sort of the center point, particularly around pre-existing, both in the governor's race, in the state, in the U.S. Senate race, but also uh, this congressional race. And Grothman in particular has really been pummeled on it to the point where he is now out there talking about how he will support, you know, the ban on pre-existing conditions. Like, this stuff is completely incredible. You know, I got into this argument with Robert Robert the other day because we're trying to, of course, you want to cite everything, right? I don't know one Republican in this state that supports the Affordable Care Act. Do you? Does anyone? And that is the only way. because they made a defining... Part of their identity when that when Obama took a lot took ideas some of them that came from conservative think tanks and from Republican senators it became you're not a Republican and you can't be a Republican if you don't oppose all of it right and so the thing is everyone knows that and everyone understands 
and this is part of what the, this campaign has been great at, educating folks that pre-existing conditions in the Affordable Care Act are intricately tied, and the notion that somehow they suddenly now support that is completely uncredible. And Growthman has been really on the forefront of this battering ram because Coles had the resources to, mm-hmm. to ram him with this. And, and, and Growthman is not someone who's actually run a very effective campaign. He's just really recently been up with ads that are kind of all over the map uh, quite frankly, um, and now he's trying to say he's on pre-existing conditions. This is a this is a rough spot for for Glenn Growth. No, we've been saying since because we Matt and I came across Citizen Action campaign lit from 2012, making <laughs> pre-existing conditions a huge issue. We have thought and we've written about this that this was the way to win the healthcare debate because it's such a big emotional issue, and because Republican conservatives cannot protect people because their view is is the government shouldn't have this role. So they want you to be on your own with your insurance companies, and insurance companies want to prof, prof, be profit by insuring healthy people and not people who have any conditions that might be expensive or might be at higher risk of having those conditions. And so you got a little insight in Matt's discussion about our internal dynamic around developing campaign literature. I just feel like you don't want some politifact muddying the waters and saying, oh, half true, because uh, this, this comma should have I been here. I got news here. for you, Robert. They're going to do that anyways. Yeah, so um. you might as well, since it's true, cite it very specifically and have the specific vote or the specific statement down. That's all, because, because the facts are on our side. We might as well be, be, uh, not have any confusion. And I, I just want to quickly say, you know, you mentioned that um, Trump is supporting Glenn Grothman. Um, just to kind of like take it back slightly to what we were talking about before. Um, you know, I think there is Trump is very popular, very unpopular, depending on who we're talking about and what community. And I think, you know, it seems like the Republican Party here and Vukmir and other candidates are trying to double down on Trump. And I'm not sure what Brian Stahl is trying to do. But mm-hmm. I just wanted to quickly note, um, because it includes a Citizen Action Co-op member um, and WFP endorsed candidate, the Wisconsin uh, GOP has sent out a mailer saying, do you think they should be in charge? And it's got a photo of Nancy Pelosi, Chuck Schumer, Mandela Barnes, mm. and Tony Evers. And it has like quote bubbles in front of all of them. And it's got above Pelosi, we can and will punish these despicable Republicans. And then Chuck Schumer, no presumption of in- innocence. Mandela, they have him saying that Donald Trump wants you to die, which probably is about healthcare, I would think. I have no idea it what is. context that was. It is. And said to- it this week. And Tony Evers saying, wow, that's a quick turnaround, this mailer, y- huh? Yes, it is. Um, and then Tony Evers saying, you know, I'm running for governor because I'm goddamn sick and tired of seeing Scott Walker, which I'm sure is not the full quote. But so, you know, I think there's just to go back to what we were saying before, you know, there's this um, victimization of us on the right. Oh, they're they don't like us. They're out to get us. And now you've got to come out and vote. And again, it says at the actually it says in the bottom, which I did not say, stop them by voting early today. So the right is voting early. So you should vote early, too. Okay. On that note, get out and vote early, folks. You're listening to the Battleground Wisconsin. We got to take a break. Welcome back to the Battleground Wisconsin. We're Citizen Action. You can find us at citizenactionwi.org. We've spent a lot of time talking about the election, the dynamics of the election. We're going to take a our last section here to actually talk about climate and what is going on in New York City. Uh, there's a very important lawsuit. Excuse me, New York State. I need to be corrected. Uh, New York State, they, they are suing mobile. And they're suing Mobile because Mobile has 
deliberately misled shareholders, if I'm correct, Robert, shareholders around the impacts that climate change, global warming, and all that is going to have on its business, right? And that it actually is keeping separate books and keeping separate facts. This is huge, not only just about the specifics, but more broadly, um, this is probably could be the vanguard of how we start to really start to make radical, start to make real change around global warming uh, through, through the courts and lawsuits like this. Robert. Yeah, and I'm not one to say that we're going to win the battle to prevent a climate genocide just through court action. Uh, you know, there were, there, as people who have studied the civil rights movement know, there were uh, 50, 60 years of court cases that eventually led to Brown v. Board, but it took too long given uh, that we now know from a UN panel that we're going to have to make dramatic changes, I mean very, very dramatic, by 2030, or it's going to be a genocide. It's, it's going faster than, than, than we had hoped, than scientists had hoped. But there, there's one case that existed before, which has gotten some play this week as well. It's called the children's lawsuit. This is a different one than the one Matt previewed with. And what's interesting about that one is it's about children suing that their rights are being taken away by this generation, by this government, because of the world they're going to inherit. And weirdly, it's only at a lower court level. It's a federal district court level. Um, Justice, Chief Justice, Supreme Court Justice John Roberts intervened this week and stopped discovery. That is just a basic research of the facts within a court case on the case. So very weird. We don't know how that's going to turn out, but you have the U.S. Chief Justice, U.S. Supreme Court intervening to, uh, to halt the children's lawsuit. But now we have a... Robert, I actually think that that's very important. Yeah. I think it's a preview of why yeah. I believe, why I believe these court cases are important, yeah. right? Because it shows how... Like, they're going to reveal information in the same way cases against smoking and a whole bunch of other industries that people before did not think were going to be taken down the way they were uh, could, could be helpful uh, to, to driving the debate. Sorry, keep going. So the, new, the, the other case Matt previewed with is a New York case that just got announced late this week. It's New York Attorney General who's really good. She's fantastic. I think she's the former Solicitor General of the United States, but she's tremendous Attorney General. And so it has filed a lot of important lawsuits already in a very short amount of time in office. But her lawsuit is not about the effects of global warming. It's at ExxonMobil, the biggest fossil fuel corporation. And it's about them basically defrauding their stockholders by lying about the, the financial risks and consequences of their business in the future and therefore for the value of the stock. So it's a straight out corporate fraud case. But it turns out they're keeping two different books, uh, the books on what's really going to happen and the books for shareholders so that they don't sell ExxonMobil stock. And so if you devalue what the implication of the fossil fuel business is going to be and devalue what we're going to have to do radically, the longer we wait, the more radical the intervention is going to be. How radical the interventions are going to be in 2035 when literally we're, we're, we're abandoning coastal cities across the world, I mean, a lot of them, uh, obviously it's going to be pretty bad for Exxon stockholders, and maybe they should think of selling now. And so they're committed. So the CEO and the management of Exxon is committing fraud according to this lawsuit, which is... And by the way, Exxon obviously is very vulnerable to this because they're now claiming that it's some sort of left-wing conspiracy, uh, th which is not usually multinational corporations speak. They don't usually speak like Fox News. So I'm going to make the connect to the election. What could it mean to have 
an attorney general in Wisconsin who actually might look at the law this way, right? As opposed to finding a way to keep uh, Brendan Dassey in jail and uh, other things and to join, a whole to, bunch to, of... To co-lead the lawsuit to make pre-existing condition yeah. protections unconstitutional with Walker's support. That's Could what... we have an attorney general like a Josh Call who might approach protecting consumers and going after corporate fraud this way. That should get us excited. Yeah, if I could just take a minute to talk about who, I don't know much about the case because I haven't read a newspaper in a month, but um, I do know a lot about uh, the New York State Attorney General um, being from New York and also being um, a woman in politics. You know, AG Barbara Barbara Underwood, who is the current Attorney General for the state of New York, uh, became Attorney General because of the Me Too movement and because Eric Schneiderman was um, forced to resign after like really shocking and sadistic um, behavior, uh, and it was outed, it was outed brilliantly in The New Yorker, um, and it was incontrovertible proof, um, and he resigned, and uh, Attorney General Underwood, you know, became the AG. She's someone who has had a long, distinguished legal career. She became AG, and she said, I'm not going to run for re-election, and she's been doing, like, incredible work, not having to worry about running for re-election, you know, as a woman who's done the work this whole time without maybe the glory. She is suing the Trump Foundation for a pattern of persistent, illegal behavior. She is suing predatory landlords in Queens. She's doing all kinds of incredible things. And so I just want to take a moment to like highlight who she is, you know, not only, um, you know, a progressive attorney general, but a woman, a brilliant legal mind, and, and we need more of those in positions of power. So really excited, um, you know, about the incredible work she's doing and, and that folks are recognizing her for it. Um, I'll leave it to Robert to talk about what it would mean for Wisconsin to have our own, our own um, excellent attorney general. Well, I mean, flat out, because really, I mean, a, lo a lot of the terrible things that have gone on in this state have gone on because we've had right-wing attorney generals and it's having a national impact with the lawsuit against Affordable Care Act and all of the consumer protections, including pre-existing condition discrimination. Uh, if we had a really G AG, which we could have with Josh Call, there'd be a whole lot more accountability for Foxconn, just for example. And we forgot to mention that Trump did a whole bit last night in Mosinee on Foxconn and him bringing Foxconn here and how wonderful it is. Uh, but literally right now, the AG didn't participate in the John Doe investigation. The AG has signed on to every right-wing lawsuit you can imagine to take away people's fundamental rights. I mean, when you say that the federal government doesn't have the power to tell an insurance company what's included in insurance policy that includes all basic medical care uh, or to deny people coverage based on health conditions, when you say the federal government doesn't have the power, then they're saying that our democracy is so weak, because this is democracy versus corporate power, that you're on your own. And then you get Leah Vukmir's army of consumers. Do any of you in the, listening to this show feel like empowered when you negotiate with Aurora and with your health, United Healthcare or one of the big health insurance companies about your claim? Is that going to do anything? So you're on your own means they have all the power. So... This issue is going to continue to define this election. We need to keep uh, this issue defining the election. Uh, it is important pointing out, as Trump landed this week, uh, he did um, change rules to the Affordable Care Act that would give states more ability to uh, sell substandard plans, um, continuing to show that no matter what they're saying in this election, they cannot be trusted, right? They will continue to roll back uh, health care. Um, 
The other thing that is worth pointing out this week, uh, we found out numbers on Wisconsin's decision, Governor Walker and Republicans, every Republican in the legislature's decision not to accept the uh, federal Medicaid money, right? That is something that... That's a nice way of putting it. Turn yep. it away. Yep. Right. Right. Tur push away what is now $1.1 billion. That is... That is no chump change. That is that. If I'm correct, that's you like add, the university system. You add 800 million for the high-speed train. Yeah. So we've given away 1.8 billion in economic development money because yep. that's what it is. These are parts of the economy, and given four billion over four billion away to Foxconn. So he'll leave quite the mess. But it is unbelievable. This is the first. The 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 conservative movement has become so extreme now that literally, I mean, there were very few 20 years ago governors of any party that would turn down a over a billion dollars in federal money for anything. So it's stunning, but here's what it's about, right? This is the price of Scott Walker. Scott Walker thinks that his career is worth this because he's had us pay for his political career because this was the payment for him thinking he was going to win the presidential election in 2016. And my guess is he still thinks he can be a viable presidential candidate in the future as well. And if I could just quickly say, as we kind of near the end of the show, another thing we learned this week, so, uh, or another thing that happened this week that was quite awful. So President Trump um, made another, um, one of his latest attacks on the trans community. And, uh, you know, the Department of Health and Human Services is seeking under Title IX to change, like, what our legal definition is. Um, of someone's gender to be a biological condition determined by their genitalia at birth. And basically what that means is that people are, uh, it, it just is, is going to uh, make it harder and eliminate a lot of recourse for people to seek um, remedy for discrimination and mistreatment. And I'm like not doing this justice, but I just do want to say that this is really upsetting and yet there are still a lot of great things happening. In Vermont, we could have our first trans governor elected. There are, um, you know, policies that might be passed uh, this November in Massachusetts. And so if you're looking for ways to help, there are a lot of great organizations. And one I would just mention is the Trans United Fund, which is a huge ally of the Working Families Party and doing great work to elect trans um, champions all over the country to office. So just remember, limited government means limited rights. And with that, we have got to end this Battleground Wisconsin. And we will see everybody next week here at the Battleground Wisconsin. This is Robert Craig again. Uh, mark your calendars. Citizen Action's 10th annual Brewfest fundraiser is Monday, November 9th from 5 p.m. to 8 p.m. at Brothers Interiors, 400 South Fifth Street in Walker's Point. Hope to see you there.